Welcome to another episode of 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries. Some of the nicest reviews we get at 1001 Heroes tell us that our listeners enjoy our telling the story behind the story, and we really love to hear that. To research, write, and share the stories of the people, places, and events that have shaped our history is a thrill that this medium of podcasting has provided me. Thanks to all of you for becoming part of the experience. I hope you continue to enjoy it as much as I do. Most of you have seen the movie Casablanca at some point in your life. It was produced by Hal Wallace and directed by Michael Curtiz for Warner Brothers and released in 1942, earning eight Academy Award nominations and becoming one of Hollywood's most beloved movies. Most of us remember it to be a love story set in Morocco after World War II, with a great musical score, a gripping storyline, top lead and supporting actors, all set in an American-owned bar in the Moroccan city of Casablanca. From there, each of us probably remember little of the sentimental love story outside of the characterizations, the famous quotes like Humphrey Bogart's Here's Looking at You, Kid, and others like Round Up the Usual Suspects. Here at 1001 Heroes, back when we began the podcast, we released an episode titled Remembering Casablanca, and we covered a part of the story, but certainly not all of it. I pulled that episode early on in our podcast and put it on a back burner with the idea that there was much more to tell about that story. We really did that one as a movie legends episode, but left the history pretty much out. This time around, my intention is to share with you, meaning both you original fans and a huge segment of you new fans, share not only what made the movie so memorable, but clue you in on what was happening in that part of North Africa at the time the movie was being made and specifically in Casablanca, because once you understand the real-life drama that was going on when the movie was being made in war-torn 1942, you're going to look at the movie in a whole new light. They say that movies are often just a mirror of reality. You can take that with a grain of salt with much of what comes out of Hollywood, but Casablanca was pretty close to reality in terms of the setting, and what was going on was pretty intense. This movie was made in Hollywood in the months just after the U.S. was drawn into the war by Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, a war that had already been raging in Britain and Europe and North Africa and China in the years before 1941, starting with Germany's invasion of Poland in 1939 and Japan's invasion of China. Both countries had developed massive armies and sought to conquer the world. The world was at war. But America had stayed out of it until Pearl Harbor. In Europe and wherever escaping Jews could be found, Jews were being rounded up and sent to prison camps and work farms, along with citizens and soldiers from all occupied countries. Others escaped Europe any way they could. Many of the extras and the supporting actors you see in the movie Casablanca had escaped Nazi Germany and fled to America. They were all too aware of the Nazi threat. Some were still to lose brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers in prison camps after the movie was released. Even though they were making extra money on a safe set in Hollywood, far away from the war, the storyline was all too real for them. North Africa, with its rich oil resources, was a strategic necessity for the German war machine. Casablanca in Morocco was a French territory and a place where loyalties were divided. It provided a good place for the refugee pipeline, spies, and persons of every stripe and nationality. 
The movie opens showing a map of Europe and Africa with an ominous-sounding narrator explaining the precarious situation that escaping Jews and other refugees were facing as they tried to escape Nazi-dominated Europe. Lisbon became the great embarkation point, but not everybody could get to Lisbon directly, and so a tortuous roundabout refugee trail sprang up. Paris to Marseille. Across the Mediterranean to Oran. Then by train or across the rim of Africa to Casablanca in French Morocco. Here, the fortunate ones, through money or influence or luck, might obtain exit visas and scurry to Lisbon, and from Lisbon to the New World. But the others wait in Casablanca and wait. European refugee trails and torturous escape routes are developing. A bold line is drawn from the city of Paris to Marseille in Vichy, France. The line finally reaches to Casablanca on the coast of neutral French Morocco, the setting for the film, where refugees, unless they are wealthy or influential enough to acquire quick exit visas, are victimized by predatory, corrupt Vichy bureaucrats. What was the Vichy government? When Nazi Germany invaded France, France was geographically split in two, with the northern half, including Paris, under Nazi control. A new French government that supported the Nazi regime sprang up, called the Vichy government, and led by Marshal Pétain. The Free French Forces, also called the Resistance, occupied southern France and were led by Charles de Gaulle. Pro-Vichy French shared the streets and cafes in French protectorates like Morocco with free French sympathizers. Spies were everywhere. Loyalties were divided. Families were divided. Kind of reminds you of America during the Revolution, when citizens either supported the British occupiers or chose to stand on the side of freedom. And those of you around the world can compare it to similar situations in your own countries. And when we get to the storyline in just a few minutes you'll realize just how important those letters of transit were to anyone trying to get out of Morocco. Also, stay tuned at the end of this episode, and we'll give you some movie mistakes to watch for. And now, our story. Some of the old songs, Sam. Yes, ma'am. Where is Rick? I don't know. I ain't seen him all night. When will he be back? Not tonight no more. He ain't coming. Uh, he went home. Does he always leave so early? Oh, he never. Well, he's got a girl up to the Blue Parrot. Goes up there all the time. You used to be a much better liar, sir. Leave him alone, Miss Elsa. You bad luck to him. Play it once, Sam. For all time's sake. I don't know what you mean, Miss Elsa. Play as time goes by. Oh, I can't remember it myself. I'm a little rusty on it. 
I'll hum it for you. Just recently, the piano that was used on the set of Rick's Cafe American in the movie Casablanca was auctioned off at Bonhams in New York for $3.4 million. It was the piano that Ingrid Bergman slowly walked up to and, smiling, said, Play it once, Sam. Play it for old time's sake. And then, when Sam feigned ignorance, knowing that he had been asked by Rick, the owner, played by Humphrey Bogart, never to play it again, she repeated, Play as time goes by. And Sam gave in. He started the song, and it wasn't long before Rick came charging out of his back office saying, I thought I told you never to play that song again, and then stopped. And seeing his old heartthrob Ilsa standing next to Sam, he put himself back together. Not much later he would offer her a toast using the line he made famous. Here's looking at you, kid. Catherine Williamson, the director of entertainment memorabilia at Bonham's, said this piano was unquestionably significant, not just as an object, but because of its central role in an enduring Hollywood classic. If there are rules to collecting memorabilia, she said, some of the rules include considering how important the film is, how central a prop is to the narrative of the film, and how many copies of that prop there are, and how much screen time does it have. This film is really important. The characters are so good. The story is so relevant. The tension is so strong that even if you don't know much about the beginnings of World War II, you can watch this movie and get it. This prop is central to the plot, and it also has an awful lot of screen time. The piano is crucial, she said, because of the letters of transit. Fifteen minutes into the movie, he tucks them in there, she said, of Humphrey Bogart. They're under there while Sam plays. They're there for all the activity that happens in the cafe. The piano is there. It represents the way out for them. That's what made it so important. Casablanca is a 1942 American romantic drama film starring Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman. Set during World War II, it focuses on an American expatriate who must choose between his love for a woman and helping her Czech resistance leader husband escape the Vichy-controlled Moroccan city of Casablanca to continue his fight against the Nazis. Casablanca is considered by many to be in the top ten, if not the best, romantic movie ever made and rated in the top 100 best movies ever produced. It produced these memorable quotes. Rick's toast to Ilsa, here's looking at you, kid, used four times, was voted the fifth most memorable line in cinema in AFI's 100 Years, 100 Movie Quotes by the American Film Institute. Six lines from Casablanca appeared in the AFI list, the most of any film, Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz tied for second, with three apiece. The other five are, Lewis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Then there was, play it, Sam, play as time goes by. And, round up the usual suspects. And, we'll always have Paris. And lastly, of all the gin joints in all the towns in the world, she walks into mine. Here's the backstory from Hollywood Lost and Found. Creating the film Casablanca was filmed with so much uncertainty and chaos that the people behind it would probably have never guessed that it would turn out to be one of the greatest motion pictures ever made. The film's colorful characters, melodramatic moments, cynical humor, and romantic triangle, all taking place in an exotic locale, 
have helped to make the film a classic. In 1938, Murray Burnett and his wife Adrienne took a trip through Europe. During the trip, the two visited a small town in the south of France where they found a nightclub overlooking the Mediterranean. There, a black pianist playing jazz was entertaining a crowd of French, Germans, and refugees. Burnett remarked to his wife, what a marvelous setting for a play it would be. Two years later, Burnett and his collaborator, Joan Allison, wrote a play called Everybody Comes to Rick's. The play indeed takes place in a similarly described nightclub in Casablanca, French Morocco, owned by American Rick Blaine. His friends are Sam, the piano player at the cafe, and Ronaldo, the French prefect of police. One evening, Ugarte, a dealer of stolen exit visas, asks Rick to hold some letters of transit he plans to sell for a fortune, his last sale before he leaves his life of crime and leaves Casablanca. Ronaldo enters with Gestapo agent Strasser, and they arrest Ugarte before he can sell the letters to Czech patriot Victor Laszlo. Later, Laszlo enters with Ilsa, whose presence has Rick shaken. Strasser confronts Laszlo, telling him he will not leave Casablanca until he signs his millions stashed in foreign banks over to Germany. That night, after everyone has left, Sam begs Rick not to get involved with Ilsa again. But she soon arrives to see Rick, and the two spend the night together. She begs him to help Laszlo. Will Rick give Victor Laszlo the letters of transit to escape Casablanca? And will Ilsa leave with him or stay with Rick? Although an initial filming date was selected for April 10, 1942, delays led to a start of production on May 25th. Filming was completed on August 3rd, and the production cost... $1,039,000. That was 75000 over budget, above average for the time. Unusually, the film was shot in sequence, mainly because only the first half of the script was ready when the filming began. The entire picture was shot in the studio in California, except for the sequence showing Major Strasser's arrival, which was filmed at Van Nuys Airport, and a few short clips of stock footage views of Paris. The street used for the exterior shots had recently been built for another film, The Desert Song, and redressed for the Paris flashbacks. It remained on the Warner's back lot until the 1960s. The set for Rick's was built in three unconnected parts, so the internal layout of the building is indeterminate. In a number of scenes, the camera looks through a wall from the cafe area into Rick's office. The background of the final scene, which shows a Lockheed Model 12 Electra Junior airplane with personnel walking around it, was staged using little-person extras and a proportionate cardboard plane. Fog was used to mask the model's unconvincing appearance. Nevertheless, the Disney's Hollywood Studios theme park in Orlando, Florida, purchased a Lockheed 12A for its great movie ride attraction and initially claimed that it was the actual plane used in the film. Film critic Roger Hebert called Hal Wallace the key creative force for his attention to the details of production, down to insisting on a real parrot in the blue parrot bar. The difference between Bergman's and Bogart's height caused some problems. She was some two inches taller than Bogart and claimed Curtiz had Bogart stand on blocks or sit on cushions in their scenes together. Later, there were plans for a further scene showing Rick, Renault, and a detachment of free French soldiers on a ship to incorporate the Allies' 1942 invasion of North Africa. It proved too difficult to get Claude Rains for the shoot, and the scene was finally abandoned after David Selznick judged it would be a terrible mistake to change the ending.
What a lot of people may not realize is that Casablanca, a World War II-era story concerning German-occupied French Morocco, was made while World War II was raging. It made the story that much more gripping. The release of the film came only two weeks after the Allies invaded North Africa to free it from German occupation and deny Germany the rich oil resources of that area. What is most incredible about the movie, and what gives it such realism, is that many of the secondary cast members and extras had been affected already by the war. Sadly, many of these cast members were still to lose their loved ones to the horrors of German prison camps. One of the things that make Casablanca such a powerful movie is the number of people whose lives were at the time being affected by the ravages of World War II, from the large cast of recent immigrant extras to the people directly involved in the making of the movie. Technical advisor Robert Eisner served on the Maginot Line and escaped from a concentration camp by way of Casablanca. Actor Helmut Dantin also escaped from a concentration camp, and Madeleine Lebeau escaped from France after the German occupation of the country. Actors of 34 different nationalities performed in the film, many of whom were refugees. Look for the pickpocket Kurt Bois. Bois was a German-Jewish actor and refugee. He had one of the longest careers in film, making his first appearance in 1907 and his last in 1987. And look for Sasha, played by Leonid Kinsky, the Russian bartender infatuated with Ivan. He was born into a Jewish family in Russia and had immigrated to the United States. Then there's Madeleine Lebeau, who played Ivan, Rick's soon-discarded girlfriend, who was French. S.Z. Sakal played Carl, the waiter. He was a Jewish-Hungarian actor who fled Germany in 1939. His three sisters later died in a concentration camp. Leon Belasco played a dealer in Rick's Cafe, a Russian-American character actor. He appeared in 13 films the year Casablanca was released. Look for Emile de Croupier, played by Marcel Delio. He had been a star in French cinema, appearing in Jean Renoir's La Grande Illusion and Le Regle de Joux. After he fled the fall of France and went to America, he was reduced to bit parts in Hollywood. He had a key role in another of Bogart's films, to have and have not. Ludwig Stossel as Mr. Leichtag, the German refugee whose English is not so good. Born in Austria, the Jewish actor was imprisoned following the Anschluss. When he was released, he left for England and then America. Stossel became famous for doing a long series of commercials for Italian Swiss colony wine producers. Dressed in an alpine hat and lederhosen, Stossel was their spokesman with the slogan, That little old winemaker me. William Edmonds was the contact man at Rick's. He usually played characters with heavy accents, such as Martini, in It's a Wonderful Life. Gregory Guy as a German banker who has refused entry to the casino by Rick. Guy was a Russian-born actor who went to the United States in 1917 after the Russian Revolution. One actor reacted to the filming of The Duel of the Anthem sequence in which German loyalists inside Rick's Café tried to sing the German anthem over top the voices of the free French loyalists in mentioning that he saw many of the actors actually crying and realized they were all real refugees. He was quoted as saying that the immigrant actors brought to a dozen small roles in Casablanca an understanding and a desperation that never could have come from central casting. They were frequently cast as Nazis in war films, even though many were Jewish. 
As an aside, the comedian Jack Benny, for you old-timers, may have had an unbilled cameo role, as was claimed by a contemporary newspaper advertisement and reportedly in the Casablanca press book. When asked in his column, Movie Answer Man, critic Roger Abair first replied, eh, It looks something like him. That's all I can say. He wrote in a later column, I think you're right. Although an initial release date was anticipated for spring 1943, the film premiered at the Hollywood Theater in New York City on November 26, 1942, to coincide with the Allied invasion of North Africa and the capture of Casablanca. In the 1,500-seat theater, the film grossed 255000 over 10 weeks. It went into general release on January 23, 1943, to take advantage of the Casablanca Conference, a high-level meeting in the city between Prime Minister Winston Churchill and President Franklin D. Roosevelt. It was a substantial but not spectacular box office success, taking $3.7 million on its initial U.S. release and making it the seventh highest-grossing film of 1943. The Office of War Information prevented screening of the film to troops in North Africa, believing it would cause resentment among Vichy supporters in the region. The play's cast consisted of 16 speaking parts and several extras. The film's script enlarged it to 22 speaking parts and hundreds of extras. The cast is notably international. Only three of the credited actors were born in the United States. The top-billed actors are Humphrey Bogart as Rick Blaine. Rick was his first truly romantic role. Ingrid Bergman as Ilsa Lund. Bergman's official website calls Ilsa her most famous and enduring role. The Swedish actress's Hollywood debut in Intermezzo had been well-received, but her subsequent films were not major successes until Casablanca. Other actresses considered for the role of Ilsa included Anne Sheridan, Hedy Lamarr, Louise Rayner, and Michelle Morgan. Wallace obtained the services of Bergman, who was contracted to David O. Selznick by lending Olivia de Havilland in exchange. Paul Einrid as Victor Laszlo. Einrid, an Austrian actor who had immigrated in 1935, was reluctant to take the role. He said it would set him as a stiff forever, according to Pauline Kael, until he was promised top billing along with Bogart and Bergman. Einrid did not get along well with his fellow actors. He considered Bogart a mediocre actor. Bergman called Einrid a prima donna. The second billed actors are Claude Rains as Captain Louis Renault. Rains was an English actor born in London. He had previously worked with Michael Curtiz on The Adventures of Robin Hood. He later played the villain in Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious, reteaming with Ingrid Bergman. Conrad Vett as Major Heinrich Strasser. He was a German actor who had appeared in the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. He had fled the Nazis, but was frequently cast as a Nazi in American films. Sidney Greenstreet as Signor Ferrari, a rival nightclub owner. Another Englishman, Greenstreet had previously starred with Laurie and Bogart in his film debut in The Maltese Falcon. Peter Laurie as Signor Ugarte. Born in Austria-Hungary, Peter Laurie had left Germany in 1933. Greenstreet and Laurie appeared in several films together over the next few years, although they did not share a scene in Casablanca. Although the movie was a collaborative effort, if anyone could claim credit for Casablanca, it would be its executive producer, Hal Wallace. He personally selected the manuscript of Everybody Comes to Rick's for its potential, assigned the writers, decided what to film, hired the director and cast, approved every aspect of the production, 
and even wrote the final line. Arthur Edison, who was the cinematographer for Casablanca, had also worked on Frankenstein in 1931, The Old Dark House in 32, The Invisible Man in 33, Mutiny on the Bounty, The Maltese Falcon, and Across the Pacific, among many other movies. It was reported that Paul Heinrich hated the role of Victor Laszlo and initially turned it down, claiming that an underground leader who appeared in a white tropical suit and hat in a famous nightclub and talked openly with Nazis was ridiculous and redolent of musical comedy. He only consented to do the part when Hal Wallace agreed to build up his part and guarantee him star billing. Max Steiner, who wrote the musical score for Casablanca, had written over 200 movie scores, including the ones for Jezebel, Dark Victory, Now Voyager, and the title theme for Gone with the Wind. Although he didn't write the song As Time Goes By, he did weave it skillfully throughout the score for Casablanca. During the filming of Casablanca, Ingrid Bergman and Humphrey Bogart failed to get to know each other very well because of Bogart's standoffishness. Bergman ended up screening the Maltese Falcon repeatedly so she could come to understand his acting style and get a stronger sense of his screen image. When there were ongoing discussions about exactly how to end the movie, Ingrid Bergman asked the director, Michael Curtiz, who she should lean toward when playing scenes with Rick and Laszlo. He first told her, just play it in between. When she continued to press him for guidance, he finally lost all patience and shouted, actors, actors, they want to know everything. Although many of the outdoor scenes for the movie Casablanca are shrouded in artificial fog, the real Casablanca is desert-bound and rarely, if ever, has fog. Discussions about how to end the film continued even after Casablanca started shooting. But contrary to legend, only the ending that was finally used was ever scheduled to be shot. After the ending was filmed, additional scenes were shot for 11 more days, including some of Bergman's most important scenes with Bogart and Heinrich. Max Steiner, who created the film's musical score, didn't like the song As Time Goes By, written in 1931 for a stage review called Everybody's Welcome. Hal Wallace initially agreed to take it out of the film. Then he realized that the song was mentioned so often during the movie that a number of scenes would have to be reshot. Ingrid Bergman, as it turned out, had already had her hair cut for her next role in the movie, For Whom the Bell Tolls, and Wallace finally acknowledged that retakes were impossible. So, because Bergman had cut her hair, the song As Time Goes By stayed in the movie Casablanca and entered into the world's music lexicon. And here, as promised, are a few Casablanca movie bloopers to watch for. Starting with, there are multiple instances throughout the film where the action of Sam's hands on the piano bears no resemblance to the piano part heard. Especially notable is the first time Sam sings, As Time Goes By, for Ilsa. A rapid treble run is executed that would have necessitated the movement of his right forearm, but none is seen. Another one. When the bartender spins Rick around on his chair and kisses him on both cheeks, saying, Boss, you've done a beautiful thing. Rick smacks him on the back and replies, Get away from me, you crazy Russian. We hear the sound of the smack quite a while after Rick hits the bartender. And this one. When Rick and Ilsa are listening to the sound of German guns out the window in Paris, Rick comments that they are from the new German 77s. Actually, the German army used a 77mm field gun in World War I, not World War II. But other sources claim that the script change was made from the original 88s on the basis of a War Department request 
to avoid tipping off the Germans as to America's awareness of the new weapon. And this one. In the opening scene, we see Rick at the back of his cafe playing chess with himself. If you go to a close-up on his hand, you'll notice that Humphrey Bogart is wearing a wedding ring. His character, Rick, is a bachelor. Here's a few more. Early on in the movie, Sam has his piano facing towards the band. A few minutes later, the piano faces away from the band. And this one, at the airport, the epaulets on Major Strasser's coat disappear and reappear between shots. One of the usual suspects being herded into the police HQ, an elderly man with a gray beard, wearing black suit, dark tie, white shirt, and gray hat, will 40 seconds later be seen outside the police HQ queuing up for an exit visa. And lastly, after Rick hides the free transits under the stack of papers on Sam's piano, he walks away and waits while Sam finishes playing. When he comes back to talk to Sam, the stack of papers is on the other side of the piano. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries. We want to invite you to listen to our brother-sister show, 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales, where you'll find a great collection of short stories from writers like Jack London, Hemingway, Edgar Allan Poe, Tolstoy, and many others. I really enjoy the golden age of writing, which I define as from around 1870 to 1930, when the English language was really used well, and storytelling, not TV, was everything. Listening to these stories will not only entertain you, but will help you to get a whole new respect for the English language. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn, and this is our story. Now go and really enjoy Casablanca, the best movie Hollywood ever made.